Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Well, Soul City, good morning. How we doing? Okay, okay. I'm going to let you warm up. I'm going to let you warm up and get there. Are you ready to be anchored? Okay, all right. Listen, it has been a minute. It has been a minute since I have have preached here. So for those of you that I don't know, I am Jeannie Stevens. I am the other lead pastor here at Soul City. And to know me is to know that I believe preaching is best when everyone participates, okay? So, So whether you are here in this room or you're worshiping with us online, maybe you're even listening to the podcast later, okay? I just wanna know, are you ready and with me? Okay, good. All right, let's go. Let's go. All right, listen, as Kelly said, we are in our last week of our series, Be Love. And today, we are going to look at what does it mean to be anchored. I want you to say that with me. Be anchored. Be anchored. Yeah, I I don't normally uh, necessarily like announce the the titles of my sermons. uh, But today's sermon is called The Danger of the Drift. Okay, the danger of the drift. And after 20 months of of so many things changing in all of our lives, there are some things that have actually returned to what they were pre-COVID. And if you are anything like me, you were not wanting them to return. In fact, you are wishing that they would not come back the way that they have. How about traffic in Chicago? right? I mean, long did I love those days when I could just run across the city in like five minutes, right? Yeah, totally. And yet somehow, you know, I prayed that God would shine his light upon us here in Chicago, and he has forsaken us. 290 is still filled with the devil. It happened this morning, right? Right? Or maybe for you, it's, it's a crowded calendar, right? And, and you loved actually that feeling of not having to be in so many different places. And now you feel like you don't have any margin back in your life and life feels busy and we're back to these full schedules, right? I know for us, we have felt that in our house uh, managing four schedules for four different people. It sometimes feels very crazy. And you know, one of the values for us as a family that we try hard to hold to is we try really hard to hold to the value of, of gathering around our table um, every, every night for dinner um, and having a meal. And for us, it's, it's way more than just like eating. Uh, for us, it's a moment to, to pause, to connect with one another, to kind of check in with each other and how we are each doing. And And we have lots of different rituals that we use in our family. You know, we've used the highs and lows. Anybody use highs and lows, right, to check in with one another? Uh, During quarantine, we actually added grieves and gratitudes, uh, and we kind of looked at what were the things that we were grieving and missing and what were the things that we were grateful for. Recently, someone uh, actually gave me a book uh, called 3,000 Questions About Me, and it now sits in the center of our dinner table. And we've added this to our repertoire of different things that we do when we sit and have dinner together at night. And, and somebody will pick up the book and, you know, just pick a random question of the 3,000, and we will all have to answer it. In fact, here's one of the random questions in the book. Would you rather be a hero in the movie or the bad guy? Okay, this is the types of questions, right? How many of you would rather be the hero in a movie? 
A lot of heroes out there. A lot of heroes out there. How many of you are a bad guy? You want to be the bad guy in the movie. Yeah, exactly. I know what you're all dressing up as for uh, Halloween later today. Uh, and, and the book is loaded with questions like that. And of course, there's the, you know, the classic question that usually gets asked on a first date. And that is the question of, are you a beach person or a mountain person, right? Are you a beach person or a mountain person? And Chicagoans, I just want to remind you, a mountain is a, a large natural elevation of the Earth's surface that just kind of rises abruptly from the surrounding landscape. I, I know we, we don't have these around here, so I, I wanted to help you imagine with me what a mountain was, right? How many of you would say you're a mountain person? You love the mountains. Yeah, exactly. How many of you, beach people? Yeah, oh, a lot of beach people, a lot of beach people. We're gonna be praying for you in January, okay? Listen, I, I do, I, I love both. I love both, but I, I, if I had to choose, I would have to pick the beach. Um, and the bonus for me would be a beach with mountains right next to them, okay? So I'd pull it all together. And there is nothing like a good day at the beach, just laying in the sun and building sandcastles and tossing a frisbee and playing in the waves. It's so good. It gets even better if somebody walks up to me and is like, would you like this cold drink with this pineapple and this umbrella in it, right? Great day, great day. And I imagine if you've ever spent a day at the beach and played with a raft or a boogie board or something like that in the ocean, you experienced what is known as a wind drag or a drift. And it's that feeling, actually, of entering the ocean at a certain location and looking up, and after some time, you realize that you have drifted to an entirely different location. Now, when that happens, the wind just kind of ever so slightly drags you and your raft or your boogie board or whatever it is that you know, you're kind of playing with across the ocean's surface to a whole new location. Now, a small drift, is, it's not that big of a deal, especially if you eventually notice that you've drifted and, and that it's happened and you kind of swim your way back to your original location. But it becomes a much bigger and scarier ordeal if the wind kind of picks up and moves from a drift to a rip current. And that kind of drift, it doesn't just move you away from your original location, it actually moves you away from the shore. It moves you further out uh, dangerously fast into the ocean where it's hard to find your footing. And while a drift can kind of start out being this harmless thing, the longer it goes unnoticed, it can become quite dangerous. And, and I just wonder, anyone ever feel like that's your life? It's not just like you're drifting in water. Maybe you've had that experience where you've drifted in water, but anyone ever feel like that's your life? You see, drifts, they, they happen slowly. They happen slowly. Oftentimes, you don't even realize it's happening. The literal definition of the word drift is, is to be carried away slowly. It's kind of this passive, you very rarely even sense that it's happening while you're in it, but you always end up in a different location. You always end up in a different location than where you started or ultimately hoped to be. And drifting is when you look up in your life and you go, how did I get here? Like, wait a minute, how? Did I get here? 
And God knows the human capacity to drift is not just when we are in the water. <laughs> the human capacity to drift in life is high. It's high. Especially in the past 20 months. The, the past 20 months that we have all walked through together. And I know that there are parts of my life that have felt like I have been in a drift. And I find myself looking up going, how, how did we get here? How did, I, how did I get here? I don't, I don't know about you. Maybe for you, it's, it's been in a relationship, right? You felt that relational drift, and maybe it was with a friendship or a dating relationship. Maybe it's in your marriage or, or in your parenting, and you feel like that relationship has somehow shifted and changed, and, and you're not even sure how it happened. But, but you're looking and you're going, whoa, th this is not like what it was. Maybe it's with your job or your career, and you just kind of feel like you're kind of like going through the motions. You're doing what you should be doing, but you feel bored. You lack passion, and you're like, wait, I had all these dreams and hopes, and I had this feeling about my purpose, and how did I get here? Maybe it's your finances, you know, and, and, and you've got that feeling, ever had that feeling like everyone has a plan for your money but you, right? <laughs> and, and you feel that pressure. Maybe that pressure is, is the pressure of debt. Maybe that pressure is, is living without a budget and your finances feel like they have your life in a drift. And maybe, maybe for you it has to do with your health. Oh gosh, no, she's going there. Yep, she is. And you don't have a consistent diet or an exercise habit. And you find yourself starting plans but not sticking with them. And, and your intentions are good. Every Monday, this is going to be my week, right? Come on, I'm the only one. I'm the only one that's had a Monday, right? And, and you don't know what happened, but your health now feels like it's in a drift. But maybe, maybe it's your faith. Maybe it's your faith. And it's your relationship with God. And, and God doesn't feel, God doesn't feel like the anchor that is holding everything together. And, and, and you desire to be rooted and you desire to be, you know, like anchored within a community and within a church, but it just keeps getting replaced with other things. And, and you want to grow in your relationship with God. But if you're honest, you feel spiritually dry and you, you feel weary and God knows that without something to be anchored to, every single one of us will drift. Every single one of us will drift. In fact, Hebrews 2.1 says that we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away, just like in the water without paying the most careful attention in our spiritual lives, the reality is you and I, we will drift. Earlier this year, I, I came across a, a fantastic article written by Adam Grant, and he, he wrote this article for the New York Times, and, and in it he talked about this reality that most of us have been feeling, especially over the past 20 months. And Adam Grant, he described it not as a drift, but he described it as languishing. Grant says this, that languishing actually dulls your motivation, 
It disrupts your ability to focus. It triples the odds that you are going to cut back on something like work. It appears to be more common than major depression, and in some ways it may be a bigger risk factor for mental illness. Grant goes on and he says, part of the danger is that when you are languishing, you might not even notice the dulling of delight, the dwindling of drive. You don't catch yourself slipping slowly into solitude. You're even indifferent to your indifference. And when you can't see your own suffering, you don't seek help or even do much to help yourself. And even if you're not languishing, you probably know people who are. This was in the New York Times. And what he's essentially describing is people being in a drift. Being in a drift. Not, not catching when, when you're being pulled away from what was once important to you. Not noticing yourself slipping from, from patterns or habits that are essential to your growth and your health. He even said it, being indifferent to your indifference. And this is what a drift feels like. And I mean, if, if we were to be honest, how many of you in the last 20 months, you have felt this in your life? Yeah. Look around. It's most of us. It's most of us. And the only thing to keep something from drifting is applying the strength and pressure of an object that is more secure than the drift. And in the water, when a boat wants to keep from drifting, it drops anchor. And an anchor, it's just simply a heavy object attached to a rope or a chain used to hold something secure and in place. And what's fascinating is that the Bible uses the exact same metaphor for what we need in our lives. It's not just a boat that needs an anchor. You need an anchor in your life. In fact, Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this hope as a what? We have this hope as a what? An anchor for the soul. It's firm and it's secure. You know, it's the exact same definition. <laughs> the writer of Hebrews has the exact same definition, except that it's not just a heavy object. It's Jesus. It's Jesus that we attach ourselves to. And Jesus holds us secure and in place no matter what comes in our life. Jesus is the anchor for your soul. He is immovable. He is strong. He is steadfast. He is dependable. He is faithful. He is secure. He is an anchor for your soul. He is available to you at every moment. And so my question for us this morning is if we have have this anchor for our soul, then why? Why are so many of us drifting? Why are so many of us drifting? It's a great question, and I'm so glad that you asked it. <laughs> I want you to turn to the book of James for just a moment, because I think James gives us a very sober answer as to why there is a danger in the drift. James 1, 13 through 15. If you're here at Soul City at our West Loop location, I want you to turn to page 977. 
If you are watching with us online, you can open up another tab. We would love to have you join with us as we read God's word. James 1 says this, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. No one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Okay, James. Yikes. He wants to make it abundantly clear that when you are tempted, when you drift away from anything, God's not responsible for the drift. (laughs) Okay? Your drift? My drift? Guess what? Not God's fault. (laughs) Not God's fault. In fact, I want you to say that with me. It's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. Remember when you were a kid and you would run in and say to your mom or to your dad, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. God lovingly is trying to say to us, Oh, I love you, and your drift is not my fault. And he goes on and says, but you want to know whose fault it is? You want to know? You, you want to know who's responsible for your drift? J- James continues, each person, each person is tempted when they are dragged away, or I will enter drift away by their own evil desire and are enticed. Yikes. I mean, James just gets a little bit more sobering here, right? I mean, he could at least have been a little bit nicer. Each person caught in a drift is in that drift because of their own desire. James is like, you got to look in the mirror. Or, or, or maybe, maybe, maybe this will make a little bit more sense. You know, you, you got to go, I'm starting with the one in the mirror. I'm asking them to change their ways. Come on, a little MJ in the morning. I was hoping you were going to join in, right? A little MJ. Listen, it's not MJ's fault either. You got to look in the mirror. You want to know who's responsible for your drift? You are. I am. And I'm not saying that with a, with a spirit of guilt or condemnation. Please hear me. It's not God's fault. You're responsible for your drift. I'm responsible for my drift. Something looked better to you at the moment. That's why you're in a drift. Okay? Something felt easier to you at the moment. And that's why you're in a drift. And James, gosh, I wish he was done, but he goes on. Okay, he goes on. Yes, he does. He says, then, after desire has conceived, oh, gosh, getting PG-13 up in here, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Basically, I mean, James is, is essentially saying that when your desires hook up with your drifts, they're going to pop out a baby called sin. And when sin grows up in your life, gives birth to death. I didn't say it. James said it. Listen, I know. I know that some of you are like, listen, my drifts, come on. <laughs> They're not that bad. 
They are not that bad. Honestly, compared to others, my little slips, they are nothing. I got this thing under control. It's not like I, I, I do that thing all the time. I mean, it's just those friends in my life. It's just those friends in my life. And when I'm with those friends, I mean, come on, that's kind of like what we do. Some of you are like, you know, you, you don't understand. My life is stressful. My life is overwhelming. I just do that thing to take the edge off, okay? It's not like I'm addicted or anything. It's like just, you know, when life is stressful, I mean, you've got to take the edge off, right? Some of you are like, I mean, it's, it's not that big of a deal. It's not like I'm a liar. I just lie every once in a while because, you know, sometimes you've got to do that to, like, make your way in this life. Some of you are like, you know, here's the thing, okay? We made an agreement because right now we're not dating other people. I mean, it's not like we're, we're hooking up with tons of people. We're just hooking up with each other. I, I mean, nobody really works from home, right? I mean, at least I put, like, business attire on up front, right? Okay, too far, too far. I went too far. I went too far. Forgive me, Lord. James says, here is the thing. You have desires. And here's the most important thing that I want you to hear. Your desires, they're not bad. God actually made you to have desires. Desires are a good thing. It's when your desires become corrupted. You have a desire for intimacy. God placed that desire for intimacy inside of you. It's when that intimacy gets filled from something else. That's when it goes south. You have desire to live out your God-given purpose. And sometimes you don't want to wait for that purpose to come. You want to make that thing happen on your time in your way. And so you lie or you cheat or you do what you need to do to get to where you want to go. You should never actually seek to kill off your desires. Desires are from God. But you add a drift to that desire, and James says, I can promise you one thing, you will be living a dead life. You add a drift to that desire, and you will be living a dead life. You see, when you are carried away from something, you're always carried to something. When you are carried away from something, you are always, always carried to something. And some of you have been carried away and you find yourself out in the open sea and you're thinking to yourself, how did I get here? How did I get here? You got here from a drift. You got here from a drift. And remember, drifts happen slowly, and the only way to catch a desire from becoming a drift is in your daily decisions. It's the only way to catch a desire from becoming a drift is in your daily decisions. A desire to be anchored is very different than from a decision to be anchored. There are drifts, and then there are decisions. And decisions never determine who we will become in our, I'm sorry, desires never determine who we will become in our daily life. It's those daily decisions 
that determine who we become. Too many Ds in that sentence. <laughs> Alliteration. I love it and sometimes I get lost in it. Listen, when you are in a drift, you have to remember we have an anchor for our soul. Friends, we have an anchor for our soul, Jesus. But you have to decide if you're going to use that anchor. <laughs> an anchor on a boat does nothing for the boat if the anchor doesn't get dropped. It does nothing for the boat. The boat is just going to drift about. If you just leave the anchor in the boat, you have to decide to drop an anchor. And listen, I have been walking with Jesus for so long. I have been in the boat with God since I was 13 years old. But I want to tell you, I am just as easily enticed into my desires becoming drifts. Just as easily enticed into my desires becoming drifts. And so I just want to offer you three anchors that I have found that are critical in my life to keeping me from the danger of the drift. And here's the thing about anchors. You got to drop them, okay? You got to drop them. And the first anchor you need to drop is you have to drop the anchor of integrity. You have to decide, am I going to drop the anchor of integrity? Coach Tony Dungy once said that integrity is the choice between what's convenient and what's right. It's what's convenient and what's right. And when you drop your anchor in integrity, you operate from a place of confidence. You actually operate from a place of assurance. So often people that question themselves, they haven't dropped their anchor in integrity. It hasn't been dropped in solid integrity. They're trying to drop their anchor in convenience. They're trying to drop their anchor in ease. They're trying to drop their anchor in what is the least that I can do to get the job done. You have to decide to drop your anchor in integrity because integrity makes you reliable. Integrity actually creates trust in your relationships. It keeps you honest. It keeps you rooted in your values. And people with integrity, those are the people that we admire. Those are the people that we want to follow. The, the book of Proverbs says it this way, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Proverbs 10 and 9. Another way to say it, when you drop your anchor in integrity, you will not drift. It's Jeannie Stevens' message version. So, so the first anchor is an anchor of integrity. The next anchor that I would say is critical to avoid the danger of the drift is you have to decide to drop your anchor in accountability. You have to decide to drop your anchor in accountability. Now listen, nothing in your life, nothing in your life can truly be carried out to the fullest possibility without accountability. 
Accountability has this way of making sure that when we want to live in integrity, it has this way of actually making sure that our words and our actions are consistent. That, they're, that they are consistent with one another. That they live in alignment. And making a decision is one thing. It's one thing. But accountability is vital to a sustaining, long-term, transformational relationship with Jesus. This is how we grow as disciples of Jesus. When you drop anchor in accountability, you are willing to accept the appropriate responsibility for your actions, for your choices, for your full participation in your growth. And listen, a a few months ago, I I could tell, I could tell that this anchor in my life was wobbly. I, I I was dropping anchor in shifty sand. And I could tell that I needed to make some shifts. And listen, there are a lot of people that I'm actually accountable to. I have accountability in my marriage. I have accountability in my parenting. I have accountability here at this church. There's elders all over the place making sure I don't say anything, pull me off the stage, right? I'm accountable to our staff. There's lots of places where I am accountable. But I could tell, I could tell that I was drifting in some of my own personal growth areas of my life. And I reached out to a friend because I knew that he was working with someone, he was working with a coach on this specific area of his life. And he said, I I think you need to give him a call. I I think it'll be a real blessing to you. So I I called the guy up and and we started working together. And and just this last week, I get this text from this guy that is is working with me on accountability on some some personal growth areas. And I'm going to read you the exact words of the text that he sent to me on Wednesday. Jeannie, I'd like you to audit yourself over the next week. I'd like you to type or write down anything that you see yourself doing, hear yourself saying, or even notice yourself thinking. That's not strong. That's insecure. Anything that's weaker or less than on the leadership front, in your personal life, if it gets your attention, write it down. Really dig in on this and be self-aware. Pray for an extra dose of self-awareness and keep good notes. The bullet point results will be, a brief, will be due with a brief explanation are due in my inbox by next Wednesday at 5 p.m. I hired him. I hired him. And I'm somehow working for him. Do you think it's been fun to think through every area of my life where I have a weak thought, an insecure moment, where I feel less than, where I compare myself to somebody else, where I don't feel strong? No, it hasn't been. It has not been fun at all. And accountability is not always fun, but it's always better. It's always better. 
Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And we need to drop anchor in being sharpened, friends. And I want to say prophetically to this church, some of you, you have mastered the art of hiding. You have mastered the art of pretending. You have mastered the art of numbing. You have found a way to just say the very Christian phrase, how are you doing? I'm fine. And and that smile comes across your face when you say it. How are things going? Good, good. And they're not. And they're not. We have to learn how to drop anchor in accountability. To find safe people to tell the truth to. To find safe people to say, I'm struggling a woman reached out to me after the 9 a.m. service and said, I don't know if anybody knows what's going on in my life, and I needed to hear that word this morning. Some of you, you found a way to skirt around accountability. And listen, I am not standing in authority right now. I am standing with you, Okay? We have to be a people that learn how to drop anchor in this. To be seen, to be known. It's what your heart most craves and desires. And you running away from accountability is just going to keep you in the drift. Okay, enough preaching on that. Final area that I would say is critical, that is critical to avoid the danger of the drift, is you have to learn how to drop your anchor in Christian community. Three of you just clapped. (laughs) And I know, I know the rest of you, I like the three of you, I know the rest of you are like, of course she's going to say that. We're at church. She's a pastor. She has to say it. They're going to pull her off the stage if she doesn't. (laughs) Guys, this is not from me, okay? This is from the Bible. So if you want to take it up with somebody, take it up with the writers of the Bible, okay? Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Part of the reason we make such a big deal about gathering together is that something shifts. Something shifts when we experience physical presence with one another. When we hear from God's word, when we worship, when we experience prayer, I bet you just felt it when we were worshiping earlier. You felt something shifting in the room, didn't you? Yeah. It's like when we take communion last week, we experience being the church with one another. Listen, it is not about, it is not about checking some attendance box. Are you hitting some kind of like quota for how often you attend church? The church is the place where discipleship happens. And here's the thing. Jesus dropped his anchor in Christian community. The first followers of Jesus 
dropped their anchor in Christian community. And I know all of your reasons why to not drop your anchor in Christian community. This is not my first rodeo for lots of people. For lots of people, they say church feels irrelevant, and I get that. Others say they, they go to church, and, and it seems like they experience everything but God at church. For some, their, their honest critique of the church is that Christians, specifically Christian leaders, are hypocritical. For lots of people, they're curious if they can actually walk through these doors and, and bring their doubts and bring their questions and bring all the things that they're wondering about, about God. You know, I spent from 9 a.m. till 2 p.m. here at our church yesterday in a circle of people that are doubting God at our Alpha One Day. It was probably my favorite moment throughout the week, just sitting with other doubters, sitting with other people that are like, I don't know, I mean, what is this about God? I don't get this part about God. And a lot of people think, I, there's no way I can go to church with all my questions. Maybe honestly, for you, you are in a season where, where you are deconstructing your faith. And I get that. Because some of the construction of our faith over the years needs to be deconstructed. I just want to lovingly say to you, Whatever is deconstructed needs to be reconstructed in health. Needs to be reconstructed in health. And listen, let's be honest. I know the last reason why you don't come to church. You want to sleep in, right? Come on! You want to sleep in? You got only one day out of the week to do it, and you're like, my PJs feel way better. I'm going to just turn it on from here. I'm going to get some Instagram inspiration throughout the week, right? I don't necessarily need to be there and be with others. And honestly, all of those, I, I get those, and to some degree, they're valid, and I understand them, actually. But the local church, you need to hear this, it's not a human idea. I didn't come up with the local church. It is ordained by God. It is the community that God chose to bring his kingdom through here on earth. And it is far from perfect because guess what? I'm here and you're here. But it's the body of Christ. And this is a family. And the last time I looked around, I, I have never found a perfect family. But a family only gets better when you choose to make it better. And and I just want to say, if it's not this church, find a church. This message is not to get you. This message is not to get you to be committed to Soul City, make you a good Christian soldier. I'm committed to Soul City. Tell me the song. I'll sing it. It's not about that. You need, you need to be a part of a church because you are the church. It's not a place you go, it's a people you become. And you, you can get content all day long. You can get content all day long, you can get worship music all day long, some of the most amazing worship music. We produce some of it. 
But what you get when you are in the body of Christ, when you are in the family of God, it's where you really grow. It's where you're experiencing transformation. It's where you become all that God intended you to become and that church becomes all that God intended that church to become. And you need an anchor. You need an anchor in your life. And when you decide to drop your anchor in integrity or when you decide to drop your anchor in accountability or when you decide to drop your anchor in Christian community, you experience what it's like to live wholly devoted to God. To have an anchor that is holding on to you. You see, no one drifts. No one drifts into deeper devotion to God. It's never happened. You'll never drift into deeper devotion to God. And drifting starts when devotion to God stops. And the enemy wants to slowly carry you away from the things of God. The enemy isn't going to just destroy you, friends. He's going to distract you. It's going to keep you overworked or overcommitted or, or overwhelmed. And I get that some of you, this is where you're at today. And you, you literally feel like you are in a drift. And here is our hope. Jesus, Jesus is both the anchor to hold on to and always holding on to you. Jesus is both the anchor that you hold on to. Strong, secure, faithful, reliable, steadfast. And here's the thing. Even when you aren't holding on to that anchor, Jesus is holding on to you. Jesus is holding on to you. Isaiah 43, 2 says that when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And some of you, you are in the waters today and they are deep and you feel Feel the drift. I just want to say prophetically from the heart of God, those waters are not going to drown you. Those waters are not going to drown you, and there is an anchor for your soul. And the heart of God just wants to say to you today, will you hold on? Will you hold on to it? You know, when you came in today, we gave you a, a little anchor. I want, you to, I want you to grab it, actually. A little personal anchor. And the power of dropping anchors is that you have to decide to do it. you got to decide to do it. You have to decide, I'm going to drop anchor. And I just want you to, to write on this anchor. Today you can grab a pen, you can write on it. I just want you to, to write on this anchor. What is that one area where you know you need to drop anchor? I talked about dropping anchor in integrity. Maybe for you, you know that's the area. You are drifting in your integrity. And today, 10, 31, 21, I'm going to drop anchor in my integrity. Maybe for you, it's accountability. And you know you've been hiding, and not letting others see you. Maybe for you, you need to drop anchor. You need to decide today, I'm going to drop anchor in accountability. Or for others, maybe it has to do with you dropping anchor in Christian community. Or maybe there is even something else that the Spirit of God's been whispering to you all morning that he wants to, 
to invite you in to drop anchor. And I just want you to write it on your anchor right now. Just write the date, whatever that word is. I will not drift. I will not drift in my integrity. I will not drift in my accountability. I will not drift in Christian community. Just take a moment. Whatever it is for you, just write it on that anchor. Write the date. You know, these are small enough that you can keep them in your pocket. You can put it in a place where you see it all day. You want to go overboard, you know, you can put a necklace on it. Just wear it. I want to encourage you to keep this with you this week as a reminder that Jesus, the anchor of your soul, who is strong and secure, is holding on to you and is going to give you the strength to equally hold on to him. So I want to invite you to stand. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to move into a time of worship. So why don't you just stand and hold that anchor in your hand. And Jesus, we, we just confess that we are, we are people prone to wander. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Lord, would you help us to fix our eyes on you? Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Help us to cling to you, Jesus, as our hope. Help us to to cling to you, Jesus, as the anchor for our soul, strong and secure, steadfast, immovable. And God, for those here today that just feel themselves drifting on the water, God, just pray a special measure of your presence, God, um, we know you're here. We know we never have to conjure your presence. You're always here. But God, for those that just feel the drift, they feel the dangerous drift right now, Lord, would you just put your loving hand around them? Would you draw them close? Would you, would you remind them that you, you keep them, you hold them? that you you invite us to abide in you, God. So I just pray for for a moment of of ministry in this space right now, God, for anyone that is drifting to pull back to you as their anchor. We love you. Thank you Thank you for always bringing us back home to you. We pray this in your name. And all God's children said, amen. Hey, thanks so much for watching. My name is Brandon and I'm the Transformation Pastor here. Our hope is that this message encouraged you. And if it did, don't forget to share this link with a friend. Also, hit that subscribe button so you never miss a video and so that you can become a part of our global church online. And for more information about who we are or for giving information, feel free to visit our website. You'll see a link down below. And I hope is that we'll see you back soon.